The world is full of complainers. But the fact is, nothing comes with a guarantee. Now, I don't care if you're the Pope of Rome, President of the United States, or Man of the Year. Something can all go wrong. Go ahead, you know, complain, tell your problems to your neighbor, ask for help, and watch him fly. Now, in Russia, they got it mapped out so that everyone pulls for everyone else. That's the theory, anyway. But what I know about is Texas. And down here, you're on your own. Hello, and welcome to Criterion close up. <laughs> I'm Mark Herney, and I'm here with Aaron West. Aaron, good to talk to you as always. I have a job for you. What's that? Um, <laughs> I've gone simple, and uh, I, I have someone that I need you to kill. Are you I was born it? simple. It's, it's not Texas. necessarily a legal, <laughs> a legal job. Are you okay with that? Sure, yeah. Okay. What could go wrong, right? Right, right, <laughs> of course. Uh, and and the, I'll pay you $10,000. How about ten? Oh yeah, you'll do it for ten. Perfect. Yeah, All right. sure. Yeah, it's. I need to make up for my uh, my bad purchasing. <laughs> <laughs> right. Good 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 call. You could uh, you could complete the Criterion collection for for what I'm going to pay you for this job. Yeah. <laughs> well, All right. Where's this everyone. going, Hernie? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Welcome to Criterion Close Up, episode number fifty five. Uh, we'll be talking about Blood Simple from the Cohen Brothers, but first we have to introduce our guest, our second time guest who came on well about a year ago uh, when we first talked about House. Although we lost most of that, so he was kind of Keith was kind of half a guest. So it's nice to have him on for a full full show. He Welcome, still is half Keith a guest. <laughs> wow! Wow! Hey, thanks, guys. It's good to be here. I'm not even like in the second timers club. I'm like in the 1.5 timers. That's club. right. So one and a half yep. timers club. Uh, 1.667. Oh, thank you. Thank you. You're very kind, Aaron. You're very kind. Well, it's great great to have you on again. As Keith, uh, as folks may remember, Keith came on. Uh, and he lives uh, within a stone's throw of my house, so we're, we're connecting. Good to talk uh, so close to you and connecting with Aaron in South Carolina. Uh, Keith, t- tell us a little bit about yourself, Keith, for the listeners who may not remember. That's right. We'll remind, we'll remind the listeners. Um, most of my uh, work I write, uh, most of the work I do is, is on writing. I've written for uh, the Comics Journal, Comics Bulletin, and a blog that I never update, uh, which is my own, called Interest interested in sophisticated fun um if you'd like to hear more about comics and pop culture instead of hearing uh two dudes talk about sad movies sadder movies with (laughs) scandinavians or weimar germany you can occasionally find me on the panel culture podcast which is a foreign podcast from canada on comics and pop culture so canada uh canada yes Weimar uh, and Scandinavian. We should do an episode on that, Mark. <laughs> you should do. You should do <laughs> a, a twenty-part series on just <laughs> those kinds of things. I'm That'd teasing you. It's it's all it's all in love. It's all it's all from a good place. So, yeah, Keith, I've always thought of as a he's a very he's a very varied consumer of culture, uh, as they call him. Mm-hmm. So I. I'm a very narrow focused uh, guy. I, I focus so much on movies, but Keith consumes it all. So. There you go. And and That's we good. should say I I got to meet Aaron this summer when he came north. That's right. Uh, we did. And we yeah. had great beer had, and had got to Bruce hang King. out. Yep. 
Yeah, and, yep. and I, I left my wallet there. Did <laughs> my, you really? My, my credit card. Yeah, yeah, because they they t- took the credit card for the tab. Yeah, and yeah. I'm just I'm just not used to that. Yeah. <laughs> So, uh, oh, we got another one, Mark. Another, <laughs> another easygoing Southerner. <laughs> this, we got a Carolina card this time. <laughs> they didn't get very far with it. No. Yeah, that was a that was a good time. Great to see. Yeah, uh, it was Aaron really cool in, in person and drink some uh, awesome Vermont beer. Yeah. Cool. yeah, 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 yeah. The beer was good too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So well, welcome, and so we'll we'll do a little transition and come back for Blood Simple. Um, we'll hear a little bit about the uh, a Greek story and, uh, you know, don't kill the messenger. You know, in Greece, they would cut off the head of the messenger that brought the bad news. Well, that don't make much sense. No. It made them feel better. Well, first off, Julian, I don't know what the story is in Greece, but in this state, we got very definite laws about that. Second, I'm not a messenger. I'm a private investigator. And third, most important, it ain't such bad news. Welcome back to Criterion Close-Up. I'm Mark Herney here with Aaron West and our special guest, Keith Silva. We are here talking about Blood Simple, the first uh, Coen Brothers film, the second in the Criterion collection. That uh, This one was released this year in September, uh, along with Inside Lewin Davis in January. Uh, Blood Simple is spine number 834, and I'm going to read the Criterion synopsis because I just you know, I'm lazy uh, and I don't want to make up my own. They call it a razor sharp, hard boiled neo noir set somewhere in Texas where a sleazy bar owner releases a torrent of violence with one murderous thought. I don't know what else really needs to be said about uh, the synopsis. And I, I don't, I, I would just say, you know, because blood is never simple, is it? So, Blood Simple, starring Francis McDormand. Uh, M. Emmett Walsh, John Getz, and Dan Hedaya. Uh, yeah, first Coen Brothers film. We are just going to jump right into it. Uh, I'm curious. I'll turn it to you first, Keith. I know you are a Coen Brothers fan, mm-hmm. and uh, just lead us into it. I'm curious. Your, you know, the first time you saw Blood Simple, and you know, what do you think about revisiting it? Yeah. Well, this was a revisit for me. I think I probably watched it. Oh, over. 12 years it's been it's been a while since i saw it i i didn't see it when it when it came out uh 11 year old keith silva was not uh going to the to the movies to watch blood simple um but you know i think after fargo you know had such an impact on me you know you start going back and watching everything uh that the coens had done uh i love this movie i think that it is it is maybe the it's in some ways the least coen brothers movie uh, there is, and in some ways, the most mm-hmm. Coen Brothers movie there is. Uh, the one sort of my initial thought coming off of this is there are others works, and the, and the Coens certainly have those pieces, uh, those those movies that you would call masterpieces. Um, this is a masterpiece in its own way, but it's very ragged and very raw. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that I really responded to seeing it the second time. I was like, wow, this is this has got that sort of raggediness where 
things everything fits together it's clear it's understandable but there's things that are just sort of left and the only word i can come up with is 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 ragged or raggedy mm. and uh i think that that is something that is a, a testament you know a quality to this movie that is just wonderful um, and you can see, you know, whenever you go back like this, you, you, you're looking for those, okay, where, 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 where what is that Cohen-ness <laughs> going to be? And it's, and it's in here. Um, but it's in the whole movie all the way throughout, even though, you know, I think, and, and I don't know if you guys want to talk about this or, or your feelings on it, but I, I don't, neo-noir is a nice little title to put on this, but I think you could call this a horror movie. I mean, in, yeah. in some ways, yeah. this is very much uh, a horror movie. There's a movie that came out recently uh, I saw called uh, Cold in July. And this really reminded me of those sort of neo-noir, you know, those new movies. Blue Ruin, this kind of reminds me of as mm-hmm. well. Sure. In, in some yeah, ways. Green Room, even. Green Room. Uh, yeah. A- absolutely. So, you know, uh, you know, titles and genres with the Coens are always sort of, that's a that's a movable thing, moving target. Uh, so yeah, I'd love to hear what you guys have to say about this as well. Yeah, well, Aaron, I, what do you think? Talking about in the in the Cohen's library. I, I, well, the, the one thing is they're not really you can't really peg the Cohen any Cohen brothers movies into certain categories. Mm-hmm. There's some that fit Absolutely. better than others, but um, and I, I'd say this kind of fits with some of their quote noir neo noir, uh, which I guess would be No Country. Uh, the man who wasn't there, uh, of course, uh, Miller's Crossing. I think this probably is closest to Miller's Crossing, even though because just as far as the serious tone, uh, there's no quirkiness, there's no raising Arizona in, the, in either of these movies. Um, although that one's more like hard-boiled noir. Um, yeah, but I think this is almost like a, a, a grisly procedural, uh, in a way. Uh, I think ragged is a good word to des- describe it. Raw, uh, and it's very meticulous too. Uh, you know some. I saw some people found it, found it boring. I, I hate that word, <laughs> especially with slow cinema. But I, I think it's more like deliberate. Uh, everything, is, and I think you could say that about Cohen's as filmmakers. They do prepare, and we kind of see this in, in the supplements too, talking about their background uh, and how they did start off by storyboarding everything and um, and being very precise, and but also letting their actors um, have some some leeway as well. So no, I I, th- I also think it's a strong movie. I I saw it. Um, first saw it probably about 10 years ago and i and it didn't resonate as much with me Hmm. but i think that's because this was like early dvd maybe vhs and uh the one thing is there's a lot of tight close-ups and i think those don't translate as well Hmm. to like a a bad home media system because they kind of like uh kind of dominate the screen uh whereas with the blu-ray uh it just looked and this this print looked amazing yes uh for the budget um it gives it a lot more room to breathe too, so I, I definitely was able to focus more on the film. Um, yeah, th- that was a lot there, but I, I think it is also a very fine film, uh, very gritty, very simple in a way. <laughs> there, there's that simple word that comes up yeah. a lot in the film too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I actually came to this just a few years ago for the first time. Uh, I've seen probably I've seen all the big Cohen films. Uh, except for maybe the man who wasn't there. There's a few, you know, holes, but um, this one being, I think I'd only seen Raising Arizona and Fargo, and I like this one a lot. I've really been looking forward to revisiting it. Um, I, as far as the neo noir, I think it is something interesting to kind of. I mean, people always want to categorize things, like you said, mm-hmm. Keith, and 
I can see that. I mean, these guys came from, uh, Joel was an assistant editor uh, on low-budget horror films, and of course he'd worked with uh, Raimi, and I mean, there's a obvious, you know, uh, shot lifted right from the Evil Dead, you know, in the in the uh, uh, yeah. the the shot where uh, Marty is has taken Abby and outside and you know all that. Everyone knows that shot, but um, so I can I can see that. I guess what I think of it, I do think of it as a type of neo noir because it's got all the you know the darkness, the shadows, the story uh, of a of a noir, but it it amps up the the violence. Um, and maybe that's just a, a definition of uh, neo noir. It's still hard boiled, but um, you know you get the uh, the harder violence in this film. And I'm I'm with you, Aaron. I, I think it. Um, some people, like you said, call it boring. I don't find this movie boring at all. Um, I'll just say from a, a first time take. Watched it last night with uh, my wife, who is you know she's not a. We almost didn't do a, a movie. She was tired. And I think I've mentioned on the show how, you know, she works nights. Sometimes it's hard to watch movies. She was taken by this. Uh, it was an easy. Good. It was an easy in. I, I sold it as an episode of Dateline, <laughs> which <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. It, it is to a point because in Dateline, you know, it's always the husband or the boyfriend or the girlfriend, you know, who's uh, killed somebody. So, um, yeah. And so, you know, by the end of it, and of course, you know, it, it really just there's a lot of not a lot really happens, but. What happens is very tense. Uh, there's always the, the tension in uh, many of the scenes, especially at the end. So, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm certainly a fan of this, and I uh, think that uh, it's just gorgeous, uh, just a, a gorgeous transfer. It's also very uh, art housey, hmm. if that's yeah, a, no, if sure. that's a term that, that you can use, because you know there's long stretches mm. with no mm-hmm. dialogue. I mean, certainly the the burial scene yeah. uh you know there's no dialogue there the sound of the the shovel scraping the the asphalt and you know they're, they're just those things in this movie and i think the you know uh, I, I don't know as he's credited in the movie at all uh but he, there's definitely uh the coens have this sam raimi contact high that is still sort of very mm-hmm. present in this movie and it's clear you know from the supplements uh and even if you didn't know once you hear it you say oh yeah clearly you can see you know that those guys were working together Mm -hmm. and were influencing each other uh so i think you know the horror aspect of it but also aaron i was just curious you said the the quirkiness isn't there did you did you because i would say that that they're certainly not as much as raising arizona or you know even fargo and things like that there's a little bit with Walsh's character, okay, um, and but the, yeah, when you think about uh, Ray and uh, uh, Francis McDormand's yep. character, uh, Abby, um, yeah, they're they're more serious, and even uh, Julian, I think uh, it's it, this is very much a serious tale compared to pretty much, except for Miller's Crossing, maybe everything in the uh, the Cohen's library. The thing I was gonna, uh, the two scenes I, the, I was gonna, there is humor though. Yeah, yeah. The two scenes I was gonna point to that were to me like only in a Cohen Brothers movie is the fact that Ray lives on a dead end street, and oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the cars mm-hmm. have to turn around, and they let that gag. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, they do that gag a couple of times, which it's. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that's comedy there. You know, um, the the repetition of the gag. And then it, there's an insert shot when Ray is coming home the morning after uh, uh, burying Marty. Uh, the, he's got his lights on and the other car flashes their lights for him to turn his lights off. And there's this insert shot of the driver of the other car 
and, and that that is a face for uh, the the Cohen Cosmopolis right there. The, oh yeah, the guy yeah, who the guy. guy who smiles back, Gives the driver the th- of that thumbs car. up. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Points yeah, at I, him or whatever. Yeah, I guess I did, it didn't connect there just because the tone and the score. Right. And I'm sure we'll talk about the score yeah, some, yeah. Uh, and 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 the film language. Uh, uh, yeah, so so I guess it doesn't put you in the mood of uh, of laughing. Where's where's the other ones do? No, and I think. But, but speak. Go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, well, speaking of, uh, of of connections that you, you kind of got an aha later is when we're, they were talking in the supplements about um, ha- the American Friend. Have you guys seen that? Uh, Vendors. I, I have not. No. Well, if you like this, I, you absolutely have to watch that. Cool. It, it's and it, it's based. That's uh, based on Ripley's game, the uh, the novel, mm-hmm. uh, which was the town Mister Ripley. Well, uh, I'm sorry. Actually, that that was the um, uh, uh, Purple Noon. Excuse me. Uh, same series though, but it it also has like uh, it's it's a procedural mi- murder mystery that is about the same pace. Uh, it's not as violent as Blood Simple. It's more character driven, but uh, but these fil- films fit together like a glove. Hmm. Whereas a lot of the other neo noir, you know, like Chinatown, you know, you could see it a little bit. Uh, Blade Runner, not at all. Uh, but yeah, they kind of all defy cat- categorization, and I think this one too. You know, you you wouldn't compare this to the original noirs. Definitely. It's 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 like this one is like a two point noir. <laughs> uh. Yeah. So I I guess one thing I I did want to uh, comment on. I mean, we we can talk about some of the acting, and uh, you guys did mention the the acting. I I think uh, this really the standout performance for me, and there are some good performance in this in this one, but. Uh, and M. Emmett Walsh uh, really makes this film for me. Thank you. Yeah. He is, uh, his voice, I think his voice is perfect. Um, I just, some of the notes I wrote down early on, I remember this from watching it the first time and again, just how good he is, you know, with the 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 scenes where he says, um, you know, cut off my head, I can always crawl around without it. I think he's mm-hmm. he's really, he's an absurd character who also understands the absurdity of life and you know the life that he is is in and dealt but he also he revels in that too such that you know the look of his clothes the car he drives his demeanor um the ending uh you know i I, we should say we we uh, we do we've said this before we do cover spoilers in this podcast so uh just his laugh uh at the end of the film i mean yeah it's it's uh, he's he's really the through line to me uh, in this film. I just uh, definitely the highlight as the the Lauren character as we come to find out from his name being on the uh, his lighter. Mm. And speaking of other Cohen characters, I, I, you kind of think of Anton Chigurh too mm. uh, with him, mm. but he's a more uh, like Anton Chigurh with a little bit more personality, uh, a little bit more self awareness, and uh, and maybe a little a little bit of. Uh, apathy like that guy's a stone cold killer and that's everything about him whereas he is as well and uh but he is more philosophical so yeah yeah quite a character i think of um mm at walsh uh, lauren in this movie as more of a shyster uh which i think is mm-hmm. is kind of a very classic cohen character you know he's trying to put one over on on people he he's capable of killing i suppose um and in the end he he probably yeah, is yeah kind of yeah kind of right it's a per- perfect way to put it um i think that uh a good a note i took uh and a chance to make a swipe at mark is that i think <laughs> blood simple is a perfect turing test 
um, that if you don't absolutely love Walsh's acting after seeing this movie, uh, you have no soul and therefore maybe a robot, <laughs> um, which fits well with um, his character Bryant in Blade Runner and also a movie Mark hates Calvary. So, oh yeah, I hated um, Calvary. Yes, yeah, so yeah, I wasn't I wasn't too into it either. Yeah. So, so both sorry, of Keith. you are are clearly robots. So I, I, I liked Calvary, <laughs> yeah, but because I didn't love it, he says I hate it. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm the same way too. I, yeah, but anyhow, Although I'd, I'd say the pacing of Calvary is similar to this. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a that's that's a good point. That's Certainly. a good point. Um, yeah, I just think Walsh is wonderful in this movie, and as much as Walsh himself brings stuff to the character, there are clear things in here that I mean, you know. Again, we'll get to the supplements, but this role was written for him. They had him right. in mind when they wrote this. And there are just things about him that are, you know, the car certainly is one of them. But there's just stuff There's just stuff that he does um, that is, is him. And it's like, you know, this is when movies are at their best, right? Is a well-written character mm-hmm. and then an actor takes that character on and makes it his own so or her right. own. Yeah, he's from uh, so, Vermont, um, so you know, kudos. Is to, he really? Uh, yeah, he's from Swanton, really? Vermont. So kudos, to, uh, Swanton, Jesus. Vermont guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure didn't uh, look at it in the movie. Oh no, no. Uh, sounded. You, you could say he he chews a little scenery, but in yeah. not not in a bad way. Right. I, he he overacts just enough to where he, uh, he kind of establishes himself as a just like like a character. Um, no, he's he's a lot of fun, and, and again, talking about the quirkiness, I think he is uh, kind of that that quirky Cohen character mm-hmm. uh just you know you could see him in like oh brother where art thou yep. uh with a little lighter touch uh but you couldn't see you couldn't see john goodman in, uh, from that movie in this you brought up anton Chigurh uh from no country aaron and i think walsh almost is like somewhere between for me Chigurh and uh, steve buscemi's character in fargo mm. like i i mm. I, I would almost I think I'd almost want to hang out with Lauren more than than Steve Buscemi's guy. I'm sorry, I'm forgetting his name uh, because you know he's a killer, and and I don't mm-hmm. necessarily think that that uh, Lauren is is a killer, but uh, he's certainly capable of it. Yeah. So would you would you hang out with Shagur? Uh no. That's the life of the party. That's a negative. Oh yeah, he'd, he'd be great. He'd be great. That's definitely a negative. You'd just be uh, flipping coins all evening. <laughs> I would not. I would. I saw that movie recently. I rewatched it recently, and I was like, "Wow, this guy is." I mean, nah. I no way. <laughs> He's scary. <laughs> scary. So cold. Yeah. So I, I'm curious. Uh, something I was thinking about with with this film and kind of looking over my notes too is you know how it's a first film. Uh, you know the Coen brothers are they come from they're writers they're first time directing hadn't directed actors before so you know curious about Keith you'd mentioned the the Coeniness of the film is there anything that kind of stands out to you as Coney-ish because I I just you know coining a word Coney-ish <laughs> there I mean there there are moments that do stand out and I, I don't know if they really I mean there are um, some a lot of match cuts and of course the scene where uh, Abby's character falls into bed you know from the bar you know those kinds of things do they stand out in the film do they kind of mesh with with what's going on you know so curious about what you think about the the coininess of the film I'll let Mr. West go first I want to see what Mr. West uh, has sure. to say well of course it's their first film and I I think it it speaks to how 
how they see themselves as filmmakers. I, I think a lot of first films, even of people that would eventually become uh, auteurs or, or, or talented filmmakers, they do take some easy ways out. Uh, whereas, I, and, and this was a longer production, mm-hmm. and you know they did a lot of reshoots. Uh, you know, they shot in the Hamptons, they shot in I think Texas, um, and they spent I, I think it was like a nine-month production cycle. So, and and they did storyboard everything out, and we see this on the supplements. Right. So yeah, I, I think it that that focus on detail and that uh, that care, and also them bringing their art house sensibilities, their family, you know, Ramy uh, bringing that with them. I, th- I think it just it set them on course for what became um, a, a terrific career. And you know, lucky us, we got all these films as a result. If they had taken shortcuts, and it was either it wasn't discovered, or right. if it was like a mainstream film, yeah, we we might have not gotten the, the Coens that we uh, have come to love so I would say that there's definitely as I was saying as I said earlier I think there's definitely moments where only in a Coen Brothers movie uh, would you have this and I think um, you know the the easiest one that sort of comes right to mind is the use of uh, same old song by the four tops mm. I think that's definitely one of those you know uh, you know drops that Uh, it's funny I believe it was somewhere maybe it was in the supplements or maybe it was in something I was reading that that was like one of the first times where the uh, the use of music ironically which uh, Mm -hmm. you know has become it's just like it's when I talk about cinema language that is that is just so cinema language nowadays and it came from that and I think you know the, the shot, you know, going over the drunk at the bar yeah. and, you know, the, the yeah, one you mentioned right. going up the, the front of Ray's house, his lawn uh, there, that sort of very much the Evil Dead shot, you know, camera mounted to a two by four shot. Um, mm-hmm. and, and a few other things are very much uh, in in that Coheniness, uh, to use Mark's word. And, and I think it's just, you know, it's when you see, I like your use of the word auteur, Aaron. Uh, it's when you see that auteurness where there was a lot of thought that went into this shot and a lot of effort. Sometimes it's too much, and I think there are points in this movie, the falling into bed shot would be one of those where it's very showy, mm. and that's a very mm-hmm. you know first-time director kind of thing. Like, you know, they're essentially it's sort of what they say about um, uh, the, the first book you ever write or the first you know especially for music for bands the first album you ever produced that's been 20 years or you know 25 years in the making everything you've right. done in your life goes sure. into that yeah. up to and that. the um, second album I, sucks <laughs> <laughs> right right the sophomore right. slump which is where which is where i think it's very much seen in this movie is these guys had some really specific ideas about doing you know how mm-hmm. to do things that were were very much a part of it. I I, I remember loving the incinerator shot mm. uh, it, it, the first time I saw it and thought, "Wow, that was really cool." Yeah, and now, yeah. as I watch it again, I was like, "Why would you have an incinerator? Why why does he have an incinerator behind his? Like, makes no sense." But yeah. you know, that, that looks gigantic. Although they mm-hmm. used short people, apparently. <laughs> yeah, they used uh, the shot, they used but... shorter folks. Yeah, but yeah. so so those are those things that sort of come out the first time. Uh, but but you know you definitely you know can see this and see something uh, you know that's newer from them and be like yeah I can connect the dots between mm-hmm. those two things. Yeah, that's 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 a fun thing to point out. I mean, I, I, you could almost see it. I guess it'll transition to something I was thinking of with punctuation that you know you can see those elements in an early film and watch some later films. You know, like even Hail Caesar or Inside Lewin Davis that is um, kind of you know darkly funny, but. 
that was the thing that kind of stood out to me was like the I was thinking of the the other incinerator shot where there are some moments where you know the camera is placed when Ray is going to throw the bloody shirt away. I, I just love where the camera is placed, kind of up and to the left, with again another like uh, crane rigging or something like that, where he throws it in the incinerator and drives off. Mm-hmm. Um, I think is great, but what I was thinking of was uh, there is a supplement, of course, sound and music with the composer and sound editor uh, Carter Burwell and Skip Levisay, respectively, and I thought a lot about punctuation in this film um, and how they they just punctuate certain scenes, and some of them are happy accidents, but you've got like the bug zapper um, mm-hmm. when Marty you know is making he's talking to Ray and making his point. You've got the the dog's tail hitting the floor that you hear. They also show. Um, you know, as, uh, as specifically, and it to me, it's a way of making the audience feel uneasy. Whether that's a you know a noir thing, um, the, the newspaper hitting the door—that's another one. You know, very loud, yeah. very mm-hmm. jarring, and uh, just puts you you know ratchets up the tension, puts you at ease. And I even think of the four top song. You know, as a bit of punctuation where you know you've got the—it's a transition from uh, the initial setup of of the film between uh, Lauren and Marty and then we go into the you know the bar to kind of get that that setting but then you know of course right at the end um, you've got the as soon as you see the uh, under the sink um, the song starts up again I, I know mm-hmm. it hits it hits later too so just those those moments of, uh, of punctuation I, I appreciate mm-hmm. it yeah I like how they use diegetic music and uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And and then the the, the score of Burwell and I, I forget the guy's name you just said it uh, Levne or something oh yeah yeah those editor. guys fit like a glove with uh, the Cohen style and I'm I'm glad they kept yeah. collaborating um, yeah I even like the shot that uh, you know it's in I think it's in all the trailers of following the shoes the bartender's shoes yes as he's yeah. walking down and then as he gets back on the bar he makes he does that like little stutter step little jig yep that yeah and i'm just like that is like even the walking over the bar i i think that somewhere in me maybe is some kind of uh essay about uh the feet the number of shots of feet <laughs> in this movie because <laughs> th- there's a lot of them even the um the dancer who's uh on the bar later i guess that place is kind of like a go-go bar the you know neon boots make sense with, i don't know with an incinerator in the backyard <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> that makes perfect sense and a giant bull in the front yard right right so right. that that those two things connect so yeah there's the, those shots there and just that little jig it's just like you know again who does that well these guys do that mm-hmm. so right. Yeah. yeah, they weren't afraid to explore. Uh, and also yeah. story-wise, too, and, and they, they kind of said that they didn't really go for any deep themes. Uh, they just were t- trying to tell a good story. And, and That's right. I tend to look for deep th- themes, uh, you know, and, and you could point no, to... No, really? Yes, we do. <laughs> you didn't could, see that. <laughs> uh, and here, I mean, you could maybe point to, like, the, the prologue with the Russia versus... I don't, maybe it's anti-democratic, or maybe there's a story about greed or something but mm-hmm. but really I, I think you kind of have to throw a lot of that out with this because it really just is a well-told story and uh and you just focus on that and it's kind of circuitous is that a word <laughs> um circuitous so. yeah yeah the yeah, way it, it, it kind of comes full circle and it's and you know we didn't really talk about the plot yet but it, it is it's very existential about these people that are idiots basically and uh right. completely botch a, a crime uh, and have no idea what's going on uh, um until the very end yeah the the audience knows you know more than they know it's it's not often told that way from the get-go yeah yeah but i i almost think as i was watching this again i was just like what 
what crime is being committed here? I mean, you know, as as you know, they they they're their own undoing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you yep. know, it was one right after the other. I well, mean, that's, I think that's, that's, that's the, a she. You know, that's, yeah, that's yeah, 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 yeah. And and yeah. that's the joy of the movie. That's like, duh. That's why it works, dummy. Um, right. But but I think that that's the other thing too is you know the the photos being that one thing that you know he just he knows exactly how to manipulate this guy mm-hmm. and uh, you know the Coens know exactly how to manipulate the audience, audience. Uh, yeah. to to understanding that right and I said existentially you could say that pretty much all the characters are passive and uh, and they're just mm-hmm. reacting to stuff that's beyond their their comprehension except right. for. Uh, Walsh's character uh, yeah. he's the only one that really initiates any sort of action or, or, or and he's you know of course his action the, the fake photographs and uh, that, right. that little gun and the lighter and <laughs> that pretty right. much initiates all all the action and the, the quagmire so yeah it's yeah. a great story I, I think it's amazing that they came up with that for the, their first film yeah yeah Agreed. I thought of um, you know Aaron you're talking about themes too and I found it very interesting again this time I'd forgotten about the Voiceover. I was going through some some mm-hmm. other kind of early Coens, and I thought there was more voiceover in the beginning, but there really isn't. Um, there is in like Raising Arizona. We have the the narrator, but uh, apparently that was recorded after the film was completed, and they mm-hmm. called Walsh back in to uh, record that later. So I, I just mm-hmm. wonder, you know, again as first time filmmakers, how much of it was. Uh, doing the movie, putting the movie together, and then coming up with that theme afterwards. You know, because obviously they didn't have that written earlier. They they put it together uh, after. It was kind of an interesting thing. Well, what I know about Texas is down here, you're on your own. That's it. <laughs> That's it. So, you are. You know, and, and what's what's that, you know, commenting, like you said, on capitalism versus socialism, communism. Yeah, uh, and, and, that, and it's 1984, so you, you know, those those yep. themes were embedded into culture, so uh, yeah. that, that resonates a lot more with people then. Well, actually, no. <laughs> Come to think of it, kind of resonates today, too, but in a different way. Right. Well, I also think the other thing from this is that, you know, I, I, I keep uh, keep wondering, there's a, you know, there's an old Woody Woodpecker cartoon, you know, if Woody had gone straight to the police, none of this would have happened. Mm-hmm. And watching Blood Simple, <laughs> I'm like, that's the one thing where you could say this movie's like, it's could be post-apocalyptic because there's no law and order whatsoever like no one ever thinks to call the police no one even suggests calling the police they just you know blunder into whatever the situation is uh that that they're trying to do and that's why i think it was like you know it it's it's mad max without the you know post-apocalypse there's just no <laughs> well, law they, order they were it's influenced just mad by order. mad max too you know they they said yeah. they'd watch the road warrior the scenes yeah. on the uh, on the bumper uh were yep. lifted yep. directly from the road warrior so yeah. you're right on point there keith mm-hmm. yeah it, it does uh it makes me think of i mean i i think the film makes everybody complicit as they go along too though so such that they they can't really call the police you know because we've got you know, Lauren says he'll do anything that's legal, and then he says he won't, and then Ray becomes complicit because he thinks that uh, Abby is, you know, it's it's her gun. She's the mm-hmm. perpetrator. He also um, buries somebody yeah. alive, too. That's kind of complicit. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's oh, that. right. Kind of a dick little moment. Yeah. <laughs> uh. Yeah, and a lot of symmetry in this movie too. You know, I, I thought of uh, you know, there's like symmetry with Marty in the bar and looking up at the the ceiling fan, and mm-hmm. uh, Abby is at Ray's looking at the ceiling fan at the same time. The the couple that is uh, you know really becoming obviously separated, right? <laughs> at that point, so. But also very noiry. 
you know, the blinds, the, Mm -hmm. you know, getting that same image that you get there, uh, which is, I think, a testament to that as well. You know, just a different way to think about it. Right. Very much so. Yeah. And uh, any any other uh, any other any other thoughts on Blood Simple before we uh, give our rating? I have a quick one. I have a quick one to bring up about uh, John Getz, uh, who plays Ray. Uh, I, I think he's obviously overshadowed here between McDormand and Walsh. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's like the ultimate that guy. Mm. Uh, you know, M. Emmett Walsh is a that guy kind of actor. You know, people pop up. You're like, oh, it's that guy. Who right. is he? Um, and I think definitely uh, gets his. He's also I, I just went to his IMDb page because I'm like, did this guy fall off the face of the earth? Um, no, he is a that guy. He was in uh, The Fly. Uh, He was in The Social Network. Oh, wow. Uh, And and he was also in one of my favorite movies, Zodiac. I couldn't tell you. Speaking of procedurals. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I couldn't tell you who John Getz is in The Social Network, Zodiac, or The Fly, but he was in those movies. Um, I think I remember him as the the boyfriend, maybe, or the the other guy in The Fly, but that's it. Yeah, I can't place him. Yeah, Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen The Fly. uh, But anyhow, it's just... And I think that's one of those other things that you also also see in first time movies where, you know, the, the, the actors they get are obviously not established stars very, mm-hmm. uh, very often. And, um, you know, John Getz is like the perfect, uh, you know, first time director's actor, if you will. Um, and, and, and he's a little overshadowed. And I think that that really works with his character as well. Like you want he, he should be forgettable. Uh, you shouldn't remember who he is because mm-hmm. he's just a total pawn in this mm-hmm. story. Um, being, you know, from both from both sides, all three. You know, he is the, you know, the the whole noir thing is the put upon hero and how they, you know, overcome all this stuff or as they, you know, swirl down the bowl of moral uh, <laughs> moral problems. Um, and, and, and that's he's he's the perfect foil for that. And he's kind of the the protagonist too, but because he is right, so passive right. and because he is the foil and, uh, and and doesn't really assert himself, you're really not invested in him too much. And also maybe because yep. he buries somebody alive. But uh, <laughs> when he gets his, I don't know about you guys. Maybe it was because I, I knew it was coming on a rewatch. But it, you're just not as invested in him. Um, and you're, <laughs> at least I wasn't. And you're more invested in how it's going to play out. And of course. I, I think what really punctuates it is the last line of the movie. And in fact, you could say that the entire movie is really leading up to that punchline. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. I think it's, it's put together like that. I mean, it's that they mean that to happen. Like mm-hmm. that's very deliberate. Yeah. Right. Just like the last shot. I mean the, you know, the, with the, the water, uh, his, his life yeah. dripping away, you know, yeah. it's, <laughs> they obviously had that <laughs> well planned out. Yep. Yeah. Very, Going down the drain. Yep. Yep. These are not Uvable filmmakers. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, uh, Keith, uh, scale of one to ten, what would you give Blood Simple as a uh, overall film? Uh, I think it's a strong eight. Uh, I know I'm probably the easy grader on this. Uh, I, I think you know. Again, there are things about this that you know, as a as a Coen Brothers movie goes, uh, not as strong as their best work, not that masterpiece. But, you know, that sort of ragged masterpiece, uh, I guess, if you want to call it that and parse your words like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as, a, you know, a movie goes, this is this is a great movie. I mean, solid, you know, solid B uh, mm-hmm. in my estimation. It's fair. What, what about you, Aaron? 
I'm what about you guys? Right in lockstep. I, I give it an eight too. It's uh, it's not a perfect film. Uh, there there are flaws, Whoa. and we we could parse them if we wanted to. But you know you have to be somewhat forgiving. But it still works too, and I think it really it works better in hindsight, having seen all these uh, these Cohen movies and and kind of where they where they uh, went and and uh, uh, well we've kind of hashed that out. So yeah, I, I'd say it's a solid eight, and uh, and highly recommend this disc especially to everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, yeah. I wrote eight to nine in my notes, you know, which really is a, a B plus, you know, maybe oh, A minus. So indecisive. Eight. It's uh, <laughs> oh, always, <laughs> always. It's uh, I, I, I write it down that I make a decision later. So it, it's I mean, it's an eight. I mean, not a lot really happens in this film. Like I said, it, it does kinda, move around like along slowly, but <laughs> um, but it's very tight. I mean, it's an hour and a half and I don't I really don't feel like it drags. And mm-hmm. uh, it's I've seen it. You know, three times now, once before, twice recently, and it doesn't. Uh, I, I just think you can see more of the filmmaking. You, you can see if you want to see additional themes or the way. The, really, the uh, to me, this film was about construction, the way it's uh, pieced together, and I just love the way they did it, especially mm-hmm. for a first film. So, solid. Good stuff. Wow. So let's Agreeing get into with Aaron West. This is <laughs> I, I'm I'm I just I'm I'm blown away by this. I don't know if I can go. I like. Drop the mic. I'm just gonna walk away now. There, there's a there's a first for everything. Keith. Yeah, <laughs> you have to come back for our French episode. <laughs> oh yes, definitely, definitely, definitely. Well, we, we need you to cover the uh, the essay key. So you know, what do you think about the um, the essay? Oh yeah, some of the bonus uh, bonus features on this. Um, the one thing, and I think uh, I, I again I say this lovely, lovingly, fellow Criterion nerds. Um, <laughs> It's nice that this booklet or, or insert, if you will, is not a fold-out poster, uh, yeah. which I've been Agreed. a little disappointed at lately. Right. I know that's such a that is such a criterion nerd thing to pick up on. Well, there's no booklet. I'm really disappointed in that. <laughs> um, this is a little bit more of an accordion uh, folding, so it's 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 easier to read and easier yeah. to enjoy. Um, the essay, than the poster, yeah, 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 and not not as good as a booklet, but you know, okay, I I, I can I can you know set aside some staples uh, that's okay um the essay is called down here on your own and it's by nathaniel rich um i know you guys are going to talk about some of the other supplements um and unlike those supplements rich doesn't really rely on the old home week approach uh that david eggers and sonnenfeld and the coens with their telestrators do mm-hmm. um he wastes no time in getting to what I think is the strongest thing about this movie, which is uh, the corporeal nature of Blood Simple. He writes about it having its own smell, texture, and sound. Um, it's a feels kind of movie. I know that word uh, sort of gets you know used a lot now. This movie gave me the feels. Um, it's not those kind of feels, but you, it's, it's very visceral in that mm-hmm. you, you can smell that bar. You can smell <laughs> that incinerator. You can feel... Um, you know the, those fish that are on the the table oh, there. Yeah. Oh, I smell uh, certainly, them. I certainly smell <laughs> right. them as well. Yeah, but you, the, like the texture, and then there's just some wonderful, wonderful sounds. I mentioned earlier the the scraping of the shovel, but you know even him going pouring through her bag and 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 pouring mm. things out are just uh, just absolutely uh, wonderful. Yeah, um, it, uh, as Keith, it reminds me a bit of uh, when I think not too long ago we did uh, summer movies. It reminds me a little bit of Body Heat in that you can feel the heat <laughs> of this movie, especially yeah, the yeah, sweat yeah. Mm-hmm. and yep, the, sure. um, 
you know, yeah. the the uh, the flies that won't leave poor Lauren alone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know is that he minds the flies though, Mark. I, I yeah, think, I think he's right. I think he's okay. I think he it's not his first time having a fly stick to his face. <laughs> he's at home he's, with, he's the one with the flies. Yeah. Fly. <laughs> yeah, he's at one with the flies, definitely. Um so yeah, as I mentioned, I had seen Blood Simple years ago and so I felt it was sort of safe to read this essay prior. If you if this is your first time to it, there are spoilers in there, so definitely uh heads up on that. Uh, and, and Rich's, you know, if you, if you watch it as sort of thinking about, um, uh, senses as thinking about those, um, you know, feel, uh, textures and sounds and smells, I think that really is an interesting way to rewatch this movie through that, through that lens. Um, I, I wish that, uh, Rich had really, uh, pun intended, dug into this approach a little bit more. Uh, as his essay progresses, the middle part becomes a history lesson in the title of the movie and noir and neo-noir mm. and its impact on American culture in the 70s and how filmmakers like the Coens appropriated that in the 80s. And, 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 that, and that's all well and good. And you have to write about something. I wish he had gone further into, you know, exploring more of those moments and, and things like that rather than sort of just, you know, giving us a history lesson. Uh, the penultimate paragraph, uh, I think by rich in the essay, uh, hits the timelessness, which is, we've been all circling around that idea of timelessness in blood simple, Mm -hmm. uh, rich writes, no bad deed goes unpunished and no good deed either. And I think that perfectly sums up, um, blood simple. That's great. Yeah. And by the way, I'm sure, uh, pretty much all of our listeners cringe when, uh, Keith said stapler, uh, (laughs) The, the article is online too. I found it. We'll put it in the show notes. So there you oh, go. You don't you don't have to touch your your fold out booklets or. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's right. I forgot. You don't want to get fingerprints on that's your right, on your right. booklet no there. Cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Definitely yeah. not going to use a windbreaker with them. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. right. That's right. Uh, so what about you, Aaron? You were going to talk about the uh, shooting blood simple, I believe. Yeah, this is a uh, this is a kind of a new sort of feature for Criterion. It's it's not really a commentary, and there haven't been a whole lot of commentaries lately. But it's kind of like a commentary. It's you know, about an hour long or so, and it's it has uh, the Coens and uh, Sonnenfeld uh, sitting down on laptops watching the movie and talking about it, and it, with lots of cuts toward. I mean, most of the time we're watching the movie with them. And they use uh, Telestrator, as Keith mentioned. Um, they they do little like Monday Night Football kind of uh, writings yep. on the on the um, on the screen, which is awesome because they they point to things that you wouldn't see, uh, like the camera angles. Really, the whole thing is about the camera work of the of the film. And so they kind of like you mentioned the the two by four scene. They kind of diagram that so you can see how it's shot and uh, and they and they go into a lot of detail. It, it's a nice twist on the commentary. And I, I actually really enjoyed their insights as well, but I, I also liked how candid they were. Um, they, of course, this was their first film, and I think they appre- they said they appreciated. It. They said it was the most fun they'd had, but right. they also they they recognized the flaws, and in fact, they they recognize a lot of flaws that I never would have uh, noticed. Um, I, I think that's their using their word. They call them anal um, themselves anal. Um, they're they're perfectionists, and uh, like some some shots they're like oh that the light would never look that way or, or would never reflect on his face like that like like in the uh, incinerator shot when you see um uh dan hedea uh, this is the girl um when you see him he's in pink and then you shoot uh, it cuts back to ray the shot reverse shot and he's like in in blue i, I believe uh so they they point that out um 
it's like a cinematography travelogue in a way. Um, hmm. So yeah, and and they actually pointed out what I noticed with the first one is that the close-ups are, are tight and uh, and that they didn't have room to breathe, but uh, it they, they kind of appreciate that, and I kind of appreciate it with them. So yeah, no, yeah. A, a very uh, interesting supplement that I highly recommend. It's funny how they they keep ripping on uh, Sonnenfeld. At one point, he's like, yeah. "Can we just not pick on the lighting?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the whole time they're just ripping on him. You think it was a bad movie uh, based on what they're saying, but yeah, well, they they do. I mean, like you said, they just pick out. You know, they're nitpicking the film, and they point out that they yeah. Did... There's a ver- go Sorry, ahead, Aaron. Oh, they just point out they didn't know what they were doing, and uh, and they right. point out how, which I I think kind of contributes to uh, to the appeal. You know, it's imperfect. Yeah, there's a very much there's very much an inside baseball theme to that whole thing, and yeah. and, and all I was saying with it being old home week is uh, it's something that Mark I think will touch on a, a little bit later. Previous editions uh, of this, the the cones kind of you know they, they give a side eye. They really you know directors' commentaries aren't a thing they do, right? Um, and, and commenting on the movie isn't a thing uh, that they do. So I think the fact that they're even doing this. I think having Sonnenfeld there sort of makes that easier for them. And, you know, this is, you know, three dudes sitting around, you know, who know each other very well and, you know, can can talk about something. I don't know if they would do this for a Lebowski or a Fargo, um, but, it, you know, it's clear here that they, they, they're willing to do it here. And I'm grateful mm. that Criterion did this in a way that isn't, you know, sort of the run-of-the-mill director's commentary, which this clearly mm-hmm. is. <laughs> Yeah, and they they really like Criterion too, and I, I think they give yeah. a gave a little more of themselves definitely to this disc and Lewin Davis, and so I I think that uh, that speaks volumes too. They they wanted to make it a good package. Yep. Yeah, yeah. There's a little bit of insight from Sonnefeld into. I mean, he says we did this for the Criterion disc. They talked mm-hmm. about how they removed the tracks in that shot I was talking about with the you know where Ray throws the bloody shirt into the incinerator. Um, some of the the work that was done. So there's some good insight there. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. great. Yeah. The one I was going to talk about, uh, I, I you know, feel like we should mention, too, there are some other actor interviews, Francis McDormand, M. Emmett Walsh, all very good. Uh, I mentioned The Sound of Music, and, uh, of course, the trailer is a fun uh, fundraising trailer um, that's fun to look back on. But the one I, I wanted to mention was the conversation with David Eggers. Uh, of course, we don't get a lot of uh, the Coens, so it you know would be remiss if we didn't mention this one. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know it, this one was actually recorded back in uh, back to last year, 2015, so an earlier one. But they talk about how their you know their early work as uh, of course Joel is an assistant editor, um, low budget horror films, and um, them raising a you know small amount of money from investors. Um, they basically they saw what Raimi did with Evil Dead and said, well, we can do that. So, you know, again, we could say if we didn't have Sam Raimi, maybe we wouldn't have the Coen brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, so mm-hmm. and maybe maybe <laughs> or maybe not Vin Vendors. <laughs> right. Maybe. Yeah. So and you get some insight into the Texas setting. Of course, Joel went to the U- University of Texas, so he had some friends that could help. Um you know, I, I find it interesting just to see how you know first-time filmmakers get something made. You know, I talked about the the fundraising trailer where you know you you don't just ask people for money. They say you show them. Um, you say, well, let me show you a piece of this film, or let me show you this trailer, mm-hmm. and bring it to their house or somewhere, and really you know get them invested uh, that way. So some nice um, commentary there. And there is some comments about M. Emmett Walsh, how they saw him in Straight Time. 
which I'm thinking, Keith, that might be a, a fun movie oh, yeah. for us to check out. Yeah. First okay. thing I thought of when I saw it, I'm like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yep. There's a, a future yeah, movie night cool. pick. Yep. And, uh, and the piece is about, you know, this, it's, there's some, again, some symmetry with the Walsh piece about how he has to be paid in cash, and you can see the bulge of cash in his pocket yeah. during the phone booth scene. <laughs> so. Yeah, that's an interesting anecdote. <laughs> yeah, so some good stuff there. Nice, you know, nice, again, half hour to kind of spend with them. And they, uh, they did talk about how it, it did screen well at TIFF and accepted to the New York Film Festival and mm-hmm. got some good reviews. So, um, yeah, really really nice uh nice piece so i liked it um i had a question for you guys as far as criterion extras go because i do feel that uh, aaron you made a great point that the coens obviously love criterion so they went to an effort to so do these do these pieces because there's there's two and there's definitely some overlap but they are different Mm -hmm. do you guys feel and, and i don't know if you have any sort of inside knowledge of this or whatever but do you feel that this is some i mean to me this presentation of Blood Simple is everything that you want from a Criterion disc. And I think that maybe that's, maybe, I think that's obviously more likely with the newer, a newer uh, release. Obviously, you're not going to get this from something like Gilda, which is, you know, mm-hmm. 60, 50, 60 years old. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm curious about how you guys sort of put this into the category of Criterion extras. Is this what you think is sort of the high watermark for that? Or is this sort of what you expect? Hmm. Well, uh, that that's a good question. I, a lot of the newer releases, and, and we talked about Chronos uh, last week, which was mm-hmm. uh, not a new release, but uh, a, a modern filmmaker who's around and, and right. also a fan of Criterion, and he uh, gives himself, uh, as we talked about Bleak House and, and how uh, he basically t- toured uh, his own house for yeah. us, uh, his, his little geek library. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Uh, and inside Lewin Davis was more stacked than this. Uh, that was a huge yeah. uh, packed disc. And, and they do tend to when. And I've noticed one thing is when they when they do a movie that's already out on a Blu-ray, and of course a lot of people complain uh, uh, right away that oh we already have this movie let's give us something new, but they they put so many extras in it that it's almost worthwhile. Uh, so okay. so like uh, His Girl Friday, which is coming out in January, that one's a stacked release as well and has a whole extra film. Um, but of course, you're not going to get uh, the the actors and directors to talk about it. So yeah, I, right, right. I, I think you know it's it's give it's a little bit of a mixed bag, but um, but I'd say more often than not, uh, they they do the justice do the release justice. Yeah, what about some you, of Mark? it is it, some of it's what they have available for right. uh, supplements. You know, the, what they can comb and put together, what they have the rights to. Um, I think some of it does depend on the um, really the status of the film. You know, if mm-hmm. you get like almost every Charlie Chaplin that comes out is stacked. You know, there's certain sure. older films. You know, that they will put put the film out and really make it a definitive edition. I mean, this, I would say, is a definitive edition of yeah. of this film. So, you know, as much as they can can do that, and, and if they can slap the, the Blu-ray sticker on there that says director approved, mm-hmm. you know, all the better. They're probably going to put a, a you know, just the best edition out there. I, I think the one thing that this might be missing that would be fun, but I think they tend to do it with some of the older films where they don't have some of the filmmakers and actors available is like a visual essay. Um, which they mm. they do so well. Yeah, yeah. They kind of give you know some history. Yeah, probably not much room cu- for it in this one. Right, right. I was just curious because you guys, you know, with the with the podcast, and you do a great job. Uh, you know, I'm not just a I'm not just an, a, a one time a year guest. I am a fan. <laughs> oh, um, well, thank you. oh, awesome. 
<laughs> uh, but but I think that, that you know, I for a long time uh, collecting Criterion and I was thinking, you know, my first one was the original release of uh, Silence of the Lambs. So that would have hmm. been yeah. early 2000, you know, or, or that's when I sort of started. So it's it's been years. And and that was the thing that you went to Criterion for was the sort of the, the film school in a box, as Mark likes to say. Mm-hmm. Um, but you went to it for these extras and because it was something a little bit more that, you know, for your, at the time, probably $35, $40, you know, right. versus whatever, you feel like you were paying for more. And I think with Blood Simple, you definitely, it reminded me of those original releases and what I've liked. And I don't collect them or, or, or think about them as much as you guys do. Uh, but I, I really felt like this was, yeah, this is a Criterion release of of a film. This is what they do. So, mm. and I also just to wrap that up, I think um, about ten years ago, Criterion probably couldn't get a caliber release like Blood Simple or um, or Pan's Labyrinth, mm. something that's that's going to move as many units. Or Mulholland Drive, uh, even though Mulholland yeah, Drive was wasn't right. as stacked because I think David Lynch probably wouldn't allow it to be. Um, right. But I think when they have the opportunity, they do deliver, and I think they they are aware of that. So. So yeah, I, I think in fact most modern movies are pretty stacked. So that's that's a good observation. Cool. Yeah. And with you know with uh, I think with you know, like you said, Aaron, with labels kind of moving away from releasing their own stuff, it's becoming more of a niche collector's market. Yeah. We may see them more and more release uh, you know versions like this that really are the definitive. I mean, and and to the to the um, you know when you're talking about the restoration, it's a 4K restoration. Mm-hmm. Uh, I sampled the other Blu-ray that came out before. It looks much softer, and this restoration is by you know definitely worth the money. So, yeah, and and for an independent film, a low budget film, it, it's, at point at times it's it doesn't look great because of course the originals didn't look great. They these were first time filmmakers, but when it's on and when you see uh, those those shots that they talked about, it really does spark. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we do give a one to ten Criterion rating. That's the overall package, Keith. Uh, what would you give it? Oh, so yeah, uh, you know, this is old school for me. This is a, a, a nine, a nine, you know, in that same sort of eight or nine kind of, mm-hmm. you know, thing. It's sort of like, well, what do you want? <laughs> what more could you possibly <laughs> what want else, what more do you in need? a release? Yeah. And mm-hmm. this is kind of it. The one thing, uh, and we haven't talked about it, and I, is there was a wonderful uh, extra, there was a commentary uh, in a previous Blood Simple release, which I wish was here, but. Um, you know, isn't, and it's a, it's, it's a fake commentary, which I think is, that's only something that you would find in a DVD release of a Coen brothers movie, a fake right. commentary. Yeah. So. I have, I just have a feeling that, uh, that they had something to do with that. <laughs> oh, you, well, yeah, they wrote it. <laughs> they wrote it and then got the actor to do it. So, oh, oh, right. oh I, I thought you meant like a, like a studio fake commentary. Oh wow. Yeah. That would have been nice. No, no, maybe, no. Maybe, uh, maybe they don't like it anymore. <laughs> Cause this right, was director right. well, approved. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. I, I wondered. I mean, it, that was really. Uh, I'll just give my rating based on that. Is that I, I'd give it a ten if it included that. It's the Kenneth Loring commentary. I, I sampled it a little bit, and I was I was in hysterics yesterday. I had to turn it off uh, because it's it's well worth the price of admission. There's a you know the scene where early on um, that. Uh, uh, Lauren is there with Marty, and the scene is kind of wrapping up. And you know, really, in this deadpan way, kind of Loring says, "Well, there's some gay- gaiety here, and it seems like these somewhat tiresome people are about to wind up their interview." Um, so, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I can't deliver it the way he does. It's just yeah. I, 
I, I couldn't stop laughing. So it's it's great. Um, again, it's a missing supplement. You know, if you've got the other release, keep it. So I, I'd give it as a criterion rating a nine. I'd love to see, you know, if that was on it, it'd be a 10. But, mm -hmm. you know, th this is the definitive edition uh, that uh, Criterion's put out. It's it, yep. it's great. I, I agree. Not, not much you can add to it. Um, yeah, I, I guess if, if I were to grade a Cohen Criterion a 10, it would probably be Lewin Davis, because that one I think really is stacked. And, and also, mm -hmm. I really like that movie, too. Not that I don't like this one. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you guys. I'll give it a 9 as well. I think, it, like Keith said, it has pretty much everything you'd want in a Criterion release, except for maybe that commentary. Uh, but, you know, I, I didn't really miss that. So yeah. even though now yeah, that you guys have talked about it, I really want to see it. <laughs> Yeah, it's great. There, there was an interesting thing that uh, I thought of, too. At the very end, and I don't know if any of the more recent uh, Criterion releases have had this, but and I know other releases like Masters of Cinema do this with they'll and BFI. They'll have a restoration note at the beginning. But on this, on this Criterion release, they usually have them in the booklets, but in this case, they had it at the end. Huh. So I wonder what I kind of read into that. Maybe it's something new that they're going to do, and maybe they're getting ready for... Uh, you know, the video only platform with, you know, of course, Hulu going now to Filmstruck such that right. they can show that with people that aren't buying the disc, what the restoration uh, is and took and who's involved. Oh, good. So, uh, another good observation. Up. Yeah. Hmm. So we'll, we'll see. And yeah, it does say, you know, they want to say, you know, Cones are part of it. Who was who did this 5.1 mix, which, you know, the, the sound editor was part of. So, yeah, we'll see. Cool. So, Aaron, is this film canon worthy? No, but uh, but it's a great film, so watch it. Damn close. <laughs> Damn close. Damn close. <laughs> well, that was Blood Simple. Uh, a lot of fun to talk about that. Uh, folks, we would love some more iTunes review and feedback. What do you think about Blood Simple? What do you think about it before? What do you think about it now? Uh, would like to hear your thoughts. Send us some feedback. Email at feedback at criterioncloseup.com. You could tweet at us at CriterionCU and uh, Facebook slash uh, CriterionCloseUp. And uh, Keith, thank you so much for coming on. It's a pleasure to have you on again. Welcome oh, I love Keith. to come by. I love to come by once a year. And uh, <laughs> and I just, I mean, the thing that's amazing is, you know, Aaron West and I agree on stuff right now. So clearly, you know, <laughs> know. to tie this into the beginning of our podcast here, you know, cats and dogs living together, you know, right. totally yeah, unparted. Hey, we had The Shining too. I think we, that's we agree true. quite that's a true. bit. Yeah. 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 We, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's just fun. I, I enjoy talking to you guys. Thank you very much. And um, yeah, we'll see you in in a year. Yeah, or, or we'll, sooner. We'll yeah, we might we we'll might we might lure you wow. back. <laughs> all right, all right. I'm lurable. We'll <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see. I heard that. I heard that. <laughs> Any uh, Keith, anything you'd like to plug? And where can folks find you online? Uh, so you can uh, follow me. I've got a Twitter address at Keith PM Silva. Um, I, for the most part, yeah, my stuff is comes out on Comics Bulletin. I've got stuff there. I've got a piece coming up. Uh, It'll be out by the time uh, this podcast posts, but it was on uh, Noah Van Skyver's Blamo. I wrote uh, a piece on that, which is a really cool indie uh, comic uh, series that's come out. Um, so yeah, and and hopefully you know stuff goes up in other places. So if you follow me on Twitter, I'm I'm good at promoting. So uh, I, I write that stuff out. I send links. I'm you know professional that way. Nice. Yeah. He's a good good follow. Definitely follow Keith. He is. Yeah. Aaron, where can folks find you? Uh, a West 505, but I'm a terrible follow. Don't follow me. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. <laughs> uh, but I'm a, speaking of I'm a big promoters, promoter. Mark Herney. Yeah, I, I just, it's mostly my, my account, unfortunately, these days. <laughs> but uh, it's at Mark Herney, at Mark H U R N E. 
And uh, coming up, our next episode, we're going to be delving into part two of our French 1930s series, uh, the early Winoir films. Uh-huh. Look forward to that. <laughs> Good stuff. Yes. Good stuff. So, and uh, we'll let the four tops lead us out. Thankful. Thank you for listening to Criterion Close Up. Do you guys want me to stop? Hello? Oh, sorry. Sorry. Do you want me to stop my recording and...